Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, Sean Needham, and my wonderful wife will be joining me shortly. And we are super excited to have Jen Van Dewater back on our podcast. She is a fellow rogue pharmacist and a fellow freedom-loving pharmacist. And um, we were just talking about before the show is that how important pharmacists are in this freedom movement. We talk to many doctors and there's many doctors that are, um, you know, going public about the movement and um, how they support medical freedom and um, informed consent and things like that. It's important to, to realize that pharmacists are a piece of that. Um, so that's one one reason we have Jane on. We're going to be discussing how she got out of the system, why she got out of the system, and how she's staying away from big pharma. So Jane, without further ado, welcome to our show. Hi, Sean. Hi, Janet. Great Hi, to be Janet. back with you guys. You as well. So, Jen, tell us a little bit about your history for those that, that haven't seen the previous podcast. Sure. Yeah. So I'm a pharmacist. I actually graduated with a doctor of pharmacy and I loved working in the community. I started as a pharmacy technician in the late 90s, like right out of high school dating myself. And so um, definitely really enjoyed the community involvement and really being upfront and accessible for people um, in, in your communities, in your hometowns. And by the time I graduated pharmacy college, I was discouraged by what I was seeing taking place in the retail chain pharmacies across the nation. And I only spent a few years actually at a, at a college working for the retail chains. And then I uh, found some independent, independent mom and pop stores and really fell in love with the profession again. But I was discouraged when I saw the overreaching arm of big pharma through the insurance companies dictating care and dictating how pharmacists should, you know, um, how, how they should be and how they should deliver care. And that's not, that was not why I got into the profession. And so at the end of 2019 is really where I kind of started to say, all right, God, what are you doing here with me? I don't like this feeling. I don't want to be here just dispensing. I'm not a robot. I, I care for people. I want to help them. And I, I felt like my calling wasn't really where I, I once thought it was. And so I really felt strongly to move alongside the providers. Uh, I was seeing a lot of overprescribing. Uh, my last job was with long-term care. And when you put all those pills in your hand and you start to package them, you're like, wait a second, these are people on a lot of medications. And it was concerning for me because I would talk to the um, the children of these parents in these homes and their parents' health was declining, not improving. And so I was just really concerned and thought my role should be talking to the providers, not um, through, a, you know, packaging their meds. And I actually had a job come up with a, a local um, doctor's office where I was going to be their consulting pharmacist to look through med charts. And hopefully my goal was to be an advocate and a voice for that patient prior to them getting prescribed all these medications. Um, and then March of 2020, the job was terminated and I was on the sidelines watching things. But as I was on the sidelines, I started to just do some research and some digging and came across the Rockefeller Institute of Medicine, um, the Flexner Report, just so many things. And I kind of sat back and thought, I, I can't go back into that role as a pharmacist behind the counter, just giving out medications when I realized that people were not really being treated properly. They weren't giving a natural approach first. They weren't being um, discussing with their provider what the root cause could probably be. It was really being pushed to just keep giving them another medication. 
And each time they got a new one, it caused an effect to get another one and another one. And so I was like, I can't go back in. I can't, I can't do this. And, um, Thankfully, I, you know, was friends with Dr. Heather Gessling being in the freedom fighting movement. And she told me that there was this great company that had just, you know, started. It was like a weekend and she brought me in, which is the wellness company. And here I am today. I always chuckle because I really felt my calling was to work alongside doctors. I felt that that the Lord was really leading me there. I had no idea he was leading me to a national role to help people, not just in our nation, but across the world. So I really just excited and happy to to share that story and to share that if we don't lose faith and don't give up god has a plan i love your story and and just speaking of that you know working with um doctors you know that's what pharmacists used to do years ago and it wasn't that long ago i mean even when janet were in pharmacy school or first got into pharmacy school you know 30 years ago now um that's what we used to always do and and now it's become so adversarial with pharmacists versus doctor and it's just not the way it's meant to be. I mean, that's one thing that Janet and I love about our job is that we get to work directly with doctors. We know the people that, you know, that um, we're working with. We, we know them personally. Um, it's not just some, you know, some random person, you know, prescribing like like when you're at a chain store or something, you don't even know them at all. So um, I think it's it, as pharmacists, we're supposed to work with doctors and that's nothing new. That's what it used to be. And I think big pharma is the one largely that changed that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and I believe it's for every profession, like the nurses, the doctors, the pharmacists, the pharmacy technicians, like everyone has been trained to stay in your corner. You know, don't you don't you can't you can't move from there. Um, and it, it's really like you say, it's not meant to be that way because we all should be working together for the betterment of our patients and for the people. And I love that about the wellness company, because I get to work alongside amazing doctors. Some you've even had on your show. You know, Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Heather Gessling, Dr. Richard Amerling, Dr. Harvey Reich. I mean, these are just amazing, amazing doctors. And, you know, for me coming in as a doctor of pharmacy, you know, they look to me and want to know my perspective on things at times. And, and that's exciting, too, because a lot of times our profession, you know, the way it's been pushed for so long was, you know, who who says what and who does what. And now it's like, no, we're coming together as a whole and sharing ideas and really looking out for the patient, which is number one. Absolutely. I think it's really difficult. Backing up just a little bit about your your history um, when you were working for chain pharmacies or even in traditional pharmacy, I really honestly think it's very difficult to practice pharmacy in a traditional method anymore, in a traditional setting, ethically. I think it's very well, hard to do it. I'm going to interrupt you. This yeah. is not tradition. Uh, that's true. This is not that's tradition. True. What, right. what we've lived through is actually a little blip in time where somebody's kind of hacked into um, the medical system. And, you know, years prior and not that far away, because I still remember going to the little local doctor and the local pharmacist, it wasn't like that. Yeah. And so it's not that far from our past. We just have been, you know, so trained and, and we look over that we say, traditional, we say Western, we say all this, but really if we looked back at our history, which isn't that far away, it was that relationship. And I think one thing to keep in mind too is even like a doctor like Peter McCullough, he knows because he practices like that. I mean, we've had doctors like Dr. Scott Jensen from Minnesota, who small town doc and his practice, they practice that way. So they're not going to be hijacked 
We're no longer being hijacked. And I think that's the thing about big pharma and even insurance or, or if we get into the politics of, you know, the health system of whether it's, you know, you're working for a big hospital or a big clinic, these things were hijacked. They weren't like that forever. I mean, as as professionals, it's exciting to hear your story because it's like, okay, with doctors on board, with pharmacists on board, with nurses on board, we can take back our profession and take care of our clients. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I remember like you, I remember going to the doctors as a child and the pharmacy was in the same office with the providers. Like I would go in, we'd go to one area and then go to the other. Um, you know, it was all in one. They worked together and it was, you know, a team effort. And then like you're saying, Janet, through the years, we've been kind of divided mm-hmm. and, and really trained into thinking, stay, stay in your lane. This is what you have to do. Yeah. Um, and, and I just always, I mean... I'm a people person anyway, you know, so I always like to talk to the doctors, ask questions and help them to know me and have a relationship with me so that we could take care of that patient. And, you know, I met many through my years in the retail and the independent that were amazing doctors that were really looking out for their patient that said no to the MTMs. I said, I'm not, I'm not following that. This is not how I, how I do, you know, my work. This is not how I take care of patients. But I've also met some who really, felt like they had to, you know, bully up and come in and say, I'm the doctor and I decide what's best. And, you know, I was only calling because I came across a drug drug interaction, which, you know, we are supposed to supposed to call and alert the provider and let them know and come up with another option if possible. Um, But yeah, I think we're seeing things shift and change to where it's kind of coming back to that way where we're uniting and working together, where our area of expertise and training is being valued. And and same with the medical doctors that we're working alongside, valuing their way to diagnose and having them come to us and say, hey, here, what do we, what can we do for this? And how do we work something out? And how, how should we start, you know, a treatment? I think that that's really the way it should be is working together. And I, I love that. I mean, I think we're gonna see a lot of that coming down the road a lot more in the future. Yeah, I sure hope so, because it uh, is the best thing for the professionals, and it's the best thing for the patient, of course. Um, But I think one thing that gets lost in the regular, I call it traditional system, but you're right. Mm -hmm. I should say the insurance-based system is that the patient is not the main focus. The insurance company is. I mean, they're the ones paying the bill. They're the ones calling the shots. They're the ones saying what's covered, what, you know. So it's the patient really isn't the main focus. And I will argue with that. There's probably some people that would love to argue with me about that. But it's just true. If if, if you're a healthcare professional and you are taking insurance, then the patient is not the main focus. They're just not. They're not the ones paying the bill. Yeah, no, it's true. And I actually had the pharmaceutical reps come in and actually ask for a printout of you know their medications and what providers were actually filling it so they could go and talk to the ones that are prescribing it so they could go and talk to those providers that weren't and in- incentivize them to prescribe those medications. So, you know, what we see on the backside of pharmacy, you know, the patients don't see it, even the providers don't see. You know, so we are the ones with the experience we have been watching. I mean, and I do mean it. Insurance companies are an overreaching arm of big pharma. They are just one one with the other, you know, you know, birds of the same. You know, it's it's exactly what it is. These the insurance company is not there to, oh, you pay me and I'll take care of you. Um, They're taking your money and then they're controlling and dictating your care. Um, and I, I mean, I personally haven't had insurance for a long time. I just 
started to realize when I calculated, oh my gosh, I'm paying a lot of money for what? And then I started thinking too, I go for these well checks, right? Every so often that are covered for free, everything's electronic. So it's all tracking. They're tracking every time I go and what's, I said, you know what? I want to disappear from that. I don't want them following my medical history. I don't want them knowing what I'm doing and, and how I am. I, I, and, and the last time I went, which was so many years ago, they handed me a questionnaire, like, how do you feel today? Circle the smiley face on how you feel. I mean, it was so like just detached from a connection to the provider. And the entire time I was at that appointment, her back was to me. Yeah. She wouldn't even look at me and engage. And I mean, I'm aware as someone, you know, who has training and experience, I, I'm understanding my health. But what if someone has no idea? And then here this provider's not even focusing on the facial expressions and seeing how the patient looks. I mean, I just felt it was so impersonal. And I was like, that's it, I'm done. So I'm not I'm not doing this anymore. And I started to realize before everything kind of exploded that there was something going on. I call it God moments in just life and in my practice of pharmacy where I was pointed to things that didn't really make sense. But 2020, the pieces came together and the picture was very clear what's what's going on, what the agenda is through my my research. And they say going down those rabbit holes, you do learn. You do learn some things that wake you up and say, I can't participate in this. You feel it in your gut. You know it's true. You know there's something off. And we have to start paying attention to that again. I feel we've become so dependent on someone in a white coat or someone who has authority telling us what we should think, feel, and how to act. And instead, we're not listening to our God-given rights over ourselves. And he's gifted us with intuition and wisdom and guidance. And we've lost that. We've lost that along the way. Yeah, well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about, um, you know, our goal of our podcast um, is to educate and empower individuals to take charge of their own health. Um, and I think sometimes how we define health now is is really silly. I mean, some people think that in order to be healthy, if you're over 60 years old, you have to be on a statin. I mean, I mean seriously, right? I mean, and I just think that's obviously ridiculous. I would never recommend a statin. Um, so what is real health? Jen, tell us what real health is. That's what we're, we're discussing today. Tell us what you think real health is. What, what does that mean? Well, it's coming back to, like I said, knowing your own body, you know, um, not running to a pharmaceutical as first-line therapy. Uh, the root cause, you know, what's the root cause? Why are we experiencing whatever it is we're experiencing? What's going on? Um, you know, I believe there's also food allergies. I think we should get back to understand what's good for our body and what's not good for our body. You know, diet and nutrition is important connected to God, however that is for anyone. Like, is it being out in nature? Is it going to church on Sunday mornings? What is that connection for you that gives you purpose and fulfillment? And when you have that connection, you do live better and you are healthier. Um, I think lifestyle too, lifestyle modifications, being active. And active doesn't mean you have to run a marathon. It just means movement. You know, whatever you movement, just movement in general, whatever you can tolerate. And you don't have to start, you know, thinking, oh, my gosh, I haven't done this in years. Start small, work your way up to whatever you can tolerate, whatever you feel and pay attention. You know, start paying attention to your body again and, and realizing that, you know, pharmaceuticals are not the answer. And it's odd coming from pharmacists to say that, but it's not the answer. It's the last line. It's when all else fails, you should try it. And regards to your statins i mean no one should be taking a statin 
I mean, those things are just toxic. It's so bad um, what they're doing to us and how they're manipulating data and, you know, um, the testing, the levels like, oh, your cholesterol is high. And they're just manipulating the numbers to scare people into thinking they're going to have health problems, changing their diets, putting them on these medications that are actually making them worse and, and not actually giving them the quality of life that we're told we're going to give them through these medications. Exactly. Let, let's go ahead and move into some of those things like um, diseases that are lifestyle um, diseases that can be treated by changing your lifestyle. So let's just name a few of them. I'm going to put you on the spot, okay? Okay. ADHD. Yep. ADHD, very popular. Mm-hmm. It used to be when Jan and I first got into farm school, it was only kids that had ADHD. Yep. Um, and, and now it's adults. I, I cannot believe the number of adults that are on ADHD medications. What's your opinion about that? So my first thought is it's diet. It's the the foods we're choosing to eat with dyes, um, highly inflammatory foods, sugar. Um, you're you're altering the body's natural makeup by ingesting these toxins, and your body is is then reacting. So that's the first thing I would say. The second is you know we are taught now that you can't feel anything but good. That's that's right. not that's not human. That's just impossible. Right. So what happens is our people have their own reactions to whatever experiences they're going through in life. And you can be overcharged and overstimulated because you're like, I got to just avoid this. So you now become like hyper, you know, you're, you're focusing on something that you shouldn't be focusing on instead of working through whatever trauma, you know, you're faced with. Um, those are the two things. And then the third is is lack of movement. You know, when you're, if you are someone, everyone's different, okay? There's so many different types of people out there. I'm the opposite of my husband. I could spend the whole day lounging and relaxing and not doing a thing. He can't sit still. Does he have ADHD? No, he just likes to keep busy. So I think it's also in knowing that there are different types of people out there. And it's okay if you're someone, you're not lazy if you like a down day and you're not hyperactive if you like to keep busy. I think we just have to realize that we're all not cookie cutter as, as humans and, and realizing that. Um, so those are the things I personally see with ADHD and changing diet, first of all, changing lifestyle and becoming more aware of who you are as an individual will help you understand your makeup and you don't need a medication to treat it. 100%. I, I think for ADHD and, you know, it used to be in kids and more, more of the kids were males that had ADHD and they just need to move. I mean, expecting a, a you know expecting a child, especially a male, to sit at a desk for seven hours a day, and then they get fidgety, and you're gonna call it ADHD? No, that's just normal. Well, <laughs> and just to interject, the two two children that we have, we have two boys, and my oldest, oh my goodness, he could sit and and do his little studies, and 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 from the time he was even in preschool, he just soaked it up. He was just there. My Youngest, I thought, oh, he's never going to learn how to read. He's never going to, I mean, he's just, but they were two different learners, two different personalities. My my youngest is kinetic. He had to move to learn. And we need people like that. And that's one of the things that I, I even said when he went to school. It's like, we need people who can think on their feet because that's what happens on a job for some jobs. And we've, we've made it a sin for people that need to move. And, and actually that's something that 
you know, we all have to work through, I think, as personalities, there's times where it's a, a, a problem, maybe, if we need to reel it in or we need to add to it. But it's not, it doesn't always mean you need a medication. And had I not had somebody say, hey, you know, make Jordan write his name big on the chalkboard, you know, make him move when he does, you know, I mean, we all learn and see life differently. And, and thank God, because we see things differently through other people's eyes. And it's not always a bad thing. It's a good thing. No, you're absolutely right. And I, and again, this comes down to the parents. So sadly, these providers that are indoctrinated through their medical training are telling p parents how to parent their child, right? They tell them how to, what to do instead of explaining exactly what you just said, Janet. And that's what's missing too, is that there's, we're losing that connection where providers say, he's just a boy being a boy, you know? And then the parents can help that, that boy understand who he is, understand his makeup, understand, okay, I get a little hyper. I've got, I've got to learn to have some self-control. And right. it's, it comes, you know, we have, we all have to have self-control, right? That's, it's no matter what, whether you're like me who like can have a lazy day in a beach chair or you're someone like my husband that can move, move, move. We all need to know. And I think that's where it comes. It starts with the parents with that child, not a medication. A medication does not replace good parenting. And I think that's what it comes down to seeing that in each, each of your kids, like you saw Janet and picking up on that. I mean, that's, that's the other thing we're lacking today in society as well, you know, is that that connection of a parent to a child and raising them to understand who they are. And that's a, a whole other issue that we can talk about for the entire podcast, right? Yes, for sure. So let's talk about another uh, lifestyle-related disease. And I, we had a good friend of ours. His name's uh, Ben Fuchs, and he's a he was a rogue pharmacist before we knew what a rogue pharmacist was. I mean, he was ahead of Janet and I by, I mean, well. I'm right. I mean, yeah. and he realized it early on in school that it was, you know, it was just not, there was something fishy going on. So um, he, we had dinner with him when we went to Colorado and uh, um, he, he makes he, uh, skincare stuff now. And he's incredibly brilliant at skincare stuff. I love it. And he said, yeah, oh, that's another, you know, um, BS created diagnosis from Big Pharma. I mean, and think about that. Think about some of the things that are just BS created diagnosis. The one I love the most is IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. I mean, what a dumb diagnosis. And I know there's listeners and viewers out there that are gonna say, well, I have it. Well, you might, you know what? I could have it too if I ate the wrong stuff. Exactly. I mean, you don't need a $3,000 a month drug to treat IBS. You need to change your diet. That's what you need to do. Yep, 100%. You're right on there. Oh, yeah, exactly. Actually, you're probably going to go through so many. Number one for all of these, Sean, is going to be diet. Absolutely. Number one. I mean, another Number one. one. Any, any GI disease, any GI disease, look, look at reflux. Omeprazole, yep. Prilosec, the, the, the PPIs, they're probably one of the top five, maybe top three selling drugs of all time, probably behind stats. I bet you they're not far behind stats. If they're, well, of course, you know, there's another thing that's even more popular than stats is out dollar-wise. And it only took a year for that one to get more, more popular. Um, but I won't mention it because we just got censored on YouTube. I don't want to get censored again. So, um, but any, any GI disease, reflux. I mean, reflux, seriously, you need Prilosec for the rest of your life for reflux? I mean, come on, change your diet. Yeah, it's diet. And it's it's the times you're eating too. So you you figure diet, intermittent fasting, people are just eating 
all hours of the day up until they go to bed and then they're eating the wrong foods. So when you go to bed and your body should go out there and heal, it's now focused on digesting and processing junk and your body, I mean, our bodies, think about what we do to our bodies, like on a daily basis and how responsive they are and keeping us okay with all that we're bombarding them with, you know, really, I mean, we're created and designed so well. And it's sad to see people not understanding because it's obviously the upside down food pyramid that we have from, you know, the the government, FDA and everything. This is how you should eat. And it's app, flip it. Don't do it that way. It's absolutely wrong. You know, you don't want to be uh, avoiding the red meats and the butters and the sugars. You know, those are the things generations ago they ate and they were very healthy. They didn't have heart disease. They didn't have all these issues that we are seeing in abundance today. Um, But people are not paying attention to what they're putting in their bodies and it's creating those disease states. And, you know, you look at the food industry, we can go right there. If you, it's so inexpensive to buy junk and they make all that really healthy stuff look bad, feel bad and very expensive. Don't eat that. It's like, okay, you know, they're making available the toxins and people aren't aware that, that they're toxic. I mean, the seed oils, I mean, that's another Another one that people are putting in their bodies that's creating the IBS, that's creating the reflux. And then you take these medications and they actually decrease nutrient absorption. So even if you were to eat something good, your body's not getting it anyway because it's not, yeah. Yeah, which, which, you know, then so like PPI is like Prilosec. So then you don't absorb your vitamin D, you don't absorb your calcium, you don't absorb your magnesium, you don't absorb minerals very well. So then you have osteoporosis later on, and yep. big pharma gets to sell you osteoporosis drugs. I mean, seriously, they, they create another disease, and then they give you a drug to create side effects. So later on, you got to take another drug. I mean, yeah. seriously, just, just think about it. It's true. It's exactly what I saw. You know, it's what I saw when I was practicing. I just could not believe if I was somewhere for a very long time, I would watch people just add and add and add to their medication regimen. And it would be very concerning for me. And I'd be like, wait a second. It just made me realize something's not adding up. If we're supposed to be helping people by giving them these, why are they taking, like, I just could not wrap my head around what we were taught. It wasn't making sense. And, you know, I asked a lot of pharmacists, they weren't rogue like us. They weren't the cool ones. Okay. I asked them all the time. I'd be like, you guys, wonder this do you ever ask questions do you you know look at these people and they're like well jen they probably eat at mcdonald's every day you know these are the guidelines this is how this is how things are done and i'm like mm. i just felt like something wasn't the dots weren't connecting for me when i saw that and i i really do believe that you know diet plays a huge role and then they would be able to not start those medications which then lead into other medications but number one is definitely any disease state you throw at me, Sean, I'm going to say diet. It's, it comes down to their diet yeah. first. Mm. I mean, look, look at probably the most expensive. I, I don't know this for sure, but it's an epidemic in this country. It's diabetes. Yes. And, 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 and all we can do is you see these commercials for the latest and greatest diabetes drug. And it's like, you know what? Stop it already. You don't need a drug for type 2 diabetes, okay? I mean, you need to change your diet. That, 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 that's first and foremost. No, I don't care what the studies say. There is no diabetes drug that, that makes you healthier at all. I mean, I, I don't care what they say that it prevents this, that, and the other. It, long term, it, it is not going to make you healthier. No, it does come down to diet and also exercise, you know, losing weight. A lot of people that, you know, end up having type 2 diabetes, they say it's genetics. But a lot of people that I see that end up being diagnosed are overweight 
And then instead of the provider going over some things, simple steps, right? And then people get scared when they hear, oh my gosh, exercise. They think I can't do that, but it's starting small, just movement and getting yourself into a routine, start losing the weight, changing your diet. You'll realize your blood sugars will be under, under better control. Well, speaking of intermittent fasting, I challenge anybody that's a type 2 diabetic, if they're not on any medication, to, to that's going to make them go hypoglycemic, low blood sugar. I challenge them to fast for 24 hours. Fast for 24 hours and see what happens to your blood glucose. And, of course, it will go down. That alone should prove to you that diabetes is reversible and it is caused by diet. I mean, think about that. Yep. You know, just fast for 24 hours. Yep, Exactly. So, Jen, as we wrap this podcast up, first of all, I appreciate you being being on, and you're always such a wealth of knowledge. Um, as we wrap this podcast up, what do you have a passion for? So, the things I love the most are being outdoors. Like, I just love being outside as much as possible, walking barefoot, um, sitting in the sun. I'm a, a sun bather, I guess you'd call it. I sit there and just whatever I can get, I get. I'm not worried about uh, skin cancer or even aging. I just love being in the sun. Um, my husband and our dog, uh, we go for hikes. Not as much right now because I know we've talked about the temperatures have been really bad, really yeah. high, um, but we do go for hikes and um, we go fishing, uh, camping, anything I can be outdoors. I just love to be outdoors. That's my, my passion. And that's what I want to share with others is, you know, find that passion in you that disconnects you from the concerns and worries of life, because it all starts here. Every disease, everything starts yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. You start manifesting it, creating it, putting it out there. It's going to eventually happen to your body. So not only if you start it here, you can fix it here. You can heal yeah, yourself. Absolutely. You can make yourself better and think positive and stay focused and, you know, live well, be well. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And I'm not anti-pharmaceuticals, as I know you're not either, but to push that on people before anything else, I mean, you're just setting people up to be lifelong uh, patients of big pharma and, and not really enjoying quality of life. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. So, um, Jen, if anybody has any questions, how do they get a hold of you or the wellness company? Yeah. Well, let's talk just briefly about it. I haven't really gone there a lot for the wellness company. Um, yeah, sure. So the wellness company um, is twc.health. I think you might have a, a link. Maybe the team is posting links here. They can post your links so they can get to the, the page through you. They can know that they, they've been referred by you and they can use your promo code to purchase anything and get 10% off. Um, if people want to follow me, I am on a lot of social medias. I'm on Instagram and that's uh, Dr. Jen, the people's pharmacist. I'm on Telegram and that's Dr. Vanderwater. Um, they're probably hopefully my team is posting this too. I have so many socials. Uh, let's see. Twitter is uh, Dr. J Vanderwater. It's all different too. None of them are the same, right? <laughs> so, um, I'm sure the team will post all that out there so that people can, um, you know, see where where to find me and follow. And I like to share family. I like to share my outings, and I like to share natural health tips just to encourage people. You know, I'm doing this. It's, it's you know, I'm learning as I go as well. When I find something pretty neat and interesting, I like to share it with others so that they can, you know, decide whether or not it's it's for them. And not every not everything is for everyone, but find what works for you and and love it and stick with it and watch your life improve. Absolutely, I absolutely love it, Jen. Thank you for being on today, and thank you for helping realize our goal, which is to educate and empower individuals to take charge of their own health. 
You're welcome. Happy to be here and looking forward to next time and seeing you guys. Seeing you guys this fall. Yes, you're see you this fall. I'm excited. I'll be uh, contacting you pretty soon to uh, um, kind of get the details of travel and where to go and when to go and all that. Oh, it's going to be exciting. It'll be good it to is. be in person. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Jen. And listeners and viewers, you want to tune in Thursday because we have Kristen Woodruff on. She is a nurse and she is talking about vaccine safety in children. And she's going to be talking about the cost of being born. Um, you know, it's it's amazing now to me how, you know, a regular vaginal birth for for a baby can be $40,000. Whereas just 50 to 70 years ago, you know, a lot of people were born at home with very few complications. I know we're going to get some pushback on that, but we're going to argue about that. So um, I love a good debate. So you don't want to miss out 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Our midweek podcast Thursday. Tune in Pacific Standard Time. Thank you for listening to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Thank you.